Uh, let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to be here, to come here, to seek your empowerment and your blessing, Lord. We thank you because you have such an abundance that you are ready to give us, Lord. We pray that you would open our eyes to that and that we would seek you uh, deeper for that, Lord. We pray that you would bless this sermon and that you would give us understanding through it. And we thank you for your grace and amen. Uh, so today's sermon is titled, Godly Living Requires Supernaturally Empowered Effort. And um, I'm starting to really like that phrase because I think it explains well the balance that we have to have in the Christian life between relying on God and putting effort in. So godly living requires supernaturally empowered effort. Um, the premise of this sermon is that in order to live godly lives, we need supernaturally empowered effort. We can't afford to ignore the need for empowerment, and we also can't afford to ignore the need for effort. And it's very easy to fall for the pitfall of ignoring or neglecting one of those two things. Uh, it's a, an issue we fall into a lot of times. So I want to look at some verses that... Um, First off, I want to look at some verses that show our need for supernatural empowerment. We totally need supernatural empowerment for, uh, to live godly lives. Let's look at Matthew 26, verse 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. John 6, uh, verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Romans 7, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Let's look at Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then uh, the last one I want to look at that's an example of our need for supernatural empowerment uh, is the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, uh, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's supernatural empowerment working in you, is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So hopefully it's clear we need to rely on God. We need supernatural empowerment. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves, apart from God's empowerment, to have any godliness whatsoever. But there's also, we, we tend to fall into the trap of neglecting effort and the need for effort. Let's look at some verses that talk about that. Let's look at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Make every effort. Let's also look at Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13. 
Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. But in reality, it takes both. It takes um, supernatural empowerment and effort. It takes supernaturally empowered effort more specifically. They're not detached, they're combined. It's not that you have supernatural empowerment and effort, it's that your efforts need to be supernaturally empowered. Let's look at Colossians 1, verse 29. For this purpose I also labor, striving according to his power which works mightily within me. Striving according to God's power which works mightily within me. That sounds like supernaturally empowered effort. And there's other ways in which God supernaturally empowers our efforts or works through our efforts. Let's look at 2 Timothy, versus, uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 7. So Paul, after giving some analogies to Timothy, says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. God's going to give the understanding, but we still have to think. When we study the scriptures, we have to think over them, and as we think over them, God gives the understanding. So there's three word pictures in the scriptures, three analogies, um, and kind of thinking of life with the three of them in view together, I think paints a really clear picture of our need for supernaturally empowered effort. Uh, The first one is that Christians are like athletes, specifically like runners. Um, Let's look at some verses that show that. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that all in a do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under my control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. 2 Timothy 2, uh, 3 through 6. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian suits, pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer... Um, ought to have the first share of the crops. So again, Christians are compared to athletes, to runners. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so uh, clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Uh, Paul says towards the end of his life. 
And lastly, uh, Galatians 5, verse 7. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Paul says to the Galatians. So throughout the scriptures, Christians are compared to athletes, specifically runners. Um, and that's a, a word picture, an analogy of the Christian life. Uh, there's a few things I want to note about athletes, about runners. Athletes perform by putting in effort, and they improve by putting in effort. I've never met an athlete who um, wins anything without putting in effort. Athletes perform by putting in effort, and athletes improve by putting in effort. Performing as an athlete takes a good amount of effort, no matter what sport of it is. Running takes a lot of effort, and that's why I don't do it. <laughs> Athletes get better by practicing. That's how they grow. And you have to put effort into practicing. So that's the first analogy. The second one is that the scriptures are like food. Food is a, a word picture to uh, help us understand our relationship to the scriptures. Let's look at some verses that show that. Matthew 4, 3 through 5. And the tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. I should have made that three and four. Um, let's look at 1 Peter 2, verse 2. And like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Hebrews 5, 12 and 14 for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And lastly, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as a spiritual people, but as a people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So the scriptures uh, are repeatedly um, compared to food. Food is a word picture of the scriptures. Bread, milk, and meat. So I have some notes on food that I think are worth thinking about as, um, as we think about this analogy. Eating food gives you a boost of energy for about 6 to 12 hours. Energy you would not otherwise have. But it's, it's temporary. It doesn't last more than a day. If I eat today, I'll have energy for the day. 
but I won't have energy for tomorrow just because I ate today, even if I go to Tokyo Grill. So eating gives you a boost of energy, but that lasts for about a day at most. Eating gives you energy you wouldn't have. Uh, the other thing I want to note about athletes, I mean about food, merely eating will not make you a good athlete. Uh, next thing I want to note, the word of God has power to it, and Jesus found actual nourishment from it in the wilderness. When Satan was tempting Jesus to test God, as it were, and turn the stones into bread, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. 40 days. So the word of God has actual power to it, and Jesus found actual nourishment from it. Eating physically gives you physical strength, and eating spiritually gives you spiritual strength. The Bible teaches that we need the scriptures about as often as we need food. Let's look at Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And also, let's look at Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, and on his law he meditates day and night. So the scriptures teach that um, the scriptures are like food, and we need uh, to digest the scriptures in some sense about as often as we need food every day. Scriptures have actual power to them that give you spiritual energy. I've heard from a lot of people the experience, the common experience, of like noticing on days when you don't read the Scriptures, your attitude is different. Reading the Scriptures, even if you don't learn anything new on a certain day, still has an effect in your life and on your heart. And on your spirit, a daily effect on your spirit. Whether you notice it or not. The third word picture and analogy I want us to think about. The Holy Spirit is like water. Or water is a word picture of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some verses that show that. John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his, wa out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's look at Isaiah 44, verse 3. 
For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams of water on the dry land. I will pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And lastly, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized. You get baptized into water. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. And we were made to drink of one spirit. So the holy water is an analogy for the Holy Spirit. Uh, some notes on water. Physical exertion or physical effort dehydrates you. But water replenishes that. If I run the rare times that I do, or if I play basketball, I get dehydrated. I start to sweat. I lose water. You have to stay hydrated daily. Without staying hydrated, not only will you have lack of energy and potentially several other problems. Uh, I found a list online from a medical article of all the problems that can come from dehydration. Lack of energy, headaches, dizziness, confusion, heat stroke, heat cramps, stiff joints, raised or unregulated body temperature, swelling in the brain, sharp changes in blood pressure, seizures. Sometimes people can even go into shock and become unresponsive. Thank God I drink water. That doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> Typically, I stay pretty hydrated, but, you know, dehydration can cause bad problems. And dehydration of spirit can cause bad problems. In order to stay hydrated, you have to drink daily. If you skip water for a day, you'll become a good bit dehydrated just from that. Let's look at Ephesians 5:18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And due to the, the tense of the Greek word uh, used on filled, what it really means is be continually being filled, or be being filled. Regularly be filled, ongoingly be refilled. Keep getting filled with the Spirit, just like with water, because normal life and especially activities that require effort, dehydrate you. So looking at those three analogies together, I want to look at uh, some similarities and principles um, that you know Christians are like athletes, the scriptures are like food, and the Holy Spirit is like water. Number one, we need God's supernatural empowerment. So um, one of my favorite things you can get from these analogies is that a, a person thinking they can be sanctified or that they can grow or have a godly life without regular time in God's word and without regular fillings of the Holy Spirit is like a person thinking they can become a professional athlete without food and water. That's crazy. Becoming like a good athlete is hard as it is, but to do so without food and water is absurd. 
you'd have no chance. Not only are you going to die, but your attempt to be a good athlete will be quite painful. Number two, we need to put in effort. A person thinking that all they need to do to grow spiritually is spend time in God's word and in worship and in prayer, and then God will take care of the rest, is like an athlete that thinks all they need to do to improve is to eat food and drink water, but they don't need to practice. We grow in obedience by practicing obedience. Even Jesus in his human life learned obedience by practicing it. That's what it means when it says in Hebrews that he learned obedience through what he suffered. Because his suffering came from obeying God. He learned obedience by practicing obedience. He learned the habit of obedience by practicing obedience. As an athlete, the only way to perform and to improve is through effort, and for the most part, that's also true for Christians. There might be a few circumstances where God instantly does a miraculous change in a person's character, but for the most of it, we grow by putting in effort. We grow by being intentional. So we need supernatural empowerment but we need supernaturally empowered effort more specifically. You can have all the empowerment in the world, but if you don't do anything with it, it will do you no good. Uh, The third principle that we can get from these analogies, more effort requires more empowerment. So an athlete might start to put in higher levels of effort into their game or into their practice. But higher levels of effort require higher levels of empowerment. If I start burning more energy um, as an athlete, I need to eat more calories. If I start to sweat more from working harder, I'll need to drink more water in order to stay hydrated. So as the amount of physical effort goes up, the amount of food and water required to empower and sustain that effort also goes up. The more effort you need to put in, the more empowerment you need as an athlete. And that's the way it is as a Christian. Uh, There's a quote that Martin Luther is known for. Um, He said, I am so busy now that if I did not spend three hours each day in prayer, I could not get through the day. He recognized that if he was exhorting more spiritual effort, he would need more spiritual nourishment, more supernatural empowerment. So more effort requires more empowerment. It needs to be sustained. Sustained effort requires um, nourishment. The fourth uh, thing we can gain from these analogies. Progress isn't made overnight. Even if an athlete eats well and drinks enough water and practices hard, they still won't make significant improvements overnight. And typically that's true for Christians. Even if you read God's word um, one day, 
and have a good time of worship one day and put effort into um, seeking to improve in your character one day, you know, one day ain't enough to change your life. Progress is not made overnight. Progress is made through consistency. Progress is made step by step, but not overnight. Fifth principle we can gain from these analogies. There's always going to be more room to improve. No matter how much athletes train, they're never going to become perfect. There's always going to be uh, more room to grow. I've never met a perfect athlete. Because there's always more room to grow. And no matter how much we grow by putting in empowered effort, uh, we're never going to be perfect in this life. There's always going to be more room to grow. And the, the last similarity um, that I want to look at is we need to seek to remove hindrances to our Christian walk. Let's look again at Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every hindrance, and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Runners are slowed down by unnecessary weight, so they have to remove it. Runners and swimmers, too, try to remove as much as they can, as much unnecessary weight as they can. And sometimes we as Christians are weighed down by unnecessary weights that hinder us. It might be things in our lives that are distracting us from God. Those can weigh us down and hinder us. It might be indwelling demons or demonic oppression that need cast out. That can weigh us down, and those are unnecessary weights. Those are things God wants us to be set free from. It might be things um, that we're doing that are increasing the amount of temptation in our lives. There are things that weigh us down. They might not necessarily be sin in and of themselves, but we need to seek to remove them, those unnecessary weights and hindrances. Just like runners need to get rid of unnecessary weights, so do Christians. So those are uh, six similarities and principles uh, that kind of help us clearly see the Christian life. But the biggest um, lesson that I think we can gain from these analogies is that, um, you know, godly living and Christian growth, they require supernaturally empowered effort. An athlete will never be a good athlete if they don't daily eat food and drink water. And they'll also never be a good athlete if they don't put in effort. So what are the problems that come from neglecting supernatural empowerment? I mentioned at the beginning that often people will fall into the pitfall of either neglecting the need for supernatural empowerment or neglecting the need for effort. It's very important that we don't neglect or ignore either one. Let's consider some of the problems that come from neglecting supernatural empowerment. The first issue that comes up from that is you're going to have failure and lack of growth. You're not going to succeed as much as you should if you don't rely on God, because we don't have the strength to succeed 
uh, to do what God calls us to do apart from relying on him for supernatural empowerment. The second issue that arises from neglecting supernatural empowerment is pride. You know, we start to think that we can succeed without God, or we might forget his involvement in our successes that we've already had. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and my might have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. When we neglect our need for God's empowerment, it's very easy to become prideful and to forget how much he's helped us and what we've succeeded in and accomplished already. The third problem that arises from neglecting our need for God's empowerment is performance-based attitudes. You know, if we ignore our need for God's empowerment, we're going to feel like it's all on us. It's up to us to succeed. It's very easy to forget about God's grace if you forget about your need for God's empowerment. But let's also consider problems that come from neglecting the need for effort in the Christian life. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that we don't need to be intentional about our growth. I want us to not fall into that trap, that idea that we don't need to be intentional about our growth. There's two problems that come from uh, neglecting the need for effort in the Christian life. Number one, failure and lack of growth, just like with neglecting the need for empowerment. If we forget about how we need to be intentional about our spiritual growth, then we're not going to grow like we should. We're probably not going to grow much if we forget that we need to be intentional about it. The second problem that comes from neglecting the need for effort is it often needs to neglect of responsibility. If you start to forget that the Christian life requires effort, you're probably going to start neglecting certain areas that require effort. So... The next thing I wanted to talk about, I want to talk about how empowered effort, this idea of the Christian life requiring supernaturally empowered effort, how that relates to God's grace. There's four things I want us to consider. Number one, God's empowerment is crucial, it's utterly necessary, but we don't deserve it. Using effort that is empowered by God doesn't in any way mean or even imply that we have earned his empowerment. We have not earned his empowerment. There's no way you could earn his empowerment. If I gave someone a million dollars to invest and they put effort into investing it, that does not mean in any way that they deserved that million dollars. That wouldn't make any sense. That was an act of grace. That was a gift. They didn't deserve it just because they put effort in. Effort does not in any way make you earn anything. We don't deserve any of God's empowerment. And we don't deserve um, the good things that come from the results 
of empowered effort because they wouldn't have happened without God's empowerment. So God's empowerment is crucial, but we don't deserve it. Second thing I want us to consider. God is in some sense the initiator of all our effort because he drew us to himself. Let's look at John 6 verse 44. No one can come to me, Jesus speaking, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. We would have never come to Christ except by God's initiative. And if we wouldn't have come to Christ, there's no way we'd be putting in any effort to live a godly life. So God is in some sense the initiator of all our effort because we would have never come to him without him. Third thing I want us to consider as it relates to grace. We don't put in effort in order to merit favor. Putting in more effort won't cause God to love you anymore. God already loves you, you know, as much as he's going to. Putting in more effort can't change the amount of love God has for you. And putting in less effort than you should also can't change the amount of love God has for you. God would never love you any less for putting in less effort than you should. Let's look at Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all creation. That includes you. You're a part of all creation. So you can't separate yourself from God's love through sins or mistakes or bad decisions. There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from God's love. Putting in zero effort won't separate you from his love. Putting in effort for the opposite of what God wants you to do won't separate you from his love. There's nothing you can do to separate you from God's love. The fourth thing I want us to consider in how empowered effort relates to grace Supernaturally empowered effort is most glorifying to God. The fact that the Christian life requires supernaturally empowered effort is more glorifying to God than if it merely required effort or if it merely required empowerment but didn't require effort. You know, if it only required effort, it obviously wouldn't be much glorifying to God because it'd be glorifying to us. You know, we need God's empowerment and that glorifies God. But the fact that we have to put in effort also glorifies God. The fact that we have to put in effort, supernaturally empowered effort, into the Christian life, um, it helps us remember daily that we need God's empowerment. Having to put in effort kind of reminds us that we need God's empowerment. 
The fact that obedience isn't just easy all the time helps us remember our need for God. But there's another way in which the need for effort also glorifies God. Having to put in effort into the Christian life allows us to honor God as worth pursuing. Having to put effort into the Christian life allows us to honor God as worth pursuing. So the fact that the Christian life requires supernaturally empowered effort is more glorifying to God than if it only required effort or even if it only required empowerment but didn't require effort. All right, the last thing I want us to look at is that, um, you know, we need supernaturally empowered effort in every area of the Christian life. There's three areas specifically I want to look at. Number one, obedience and character growth. So we, we looked at these verses already, so I won't look at them again, actually. But at the beginning of the sermon, we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, and we also looked at Second uh, Peter 1, 5, and 7, where he says, put every effort into pursuing these character traits. The Nasby says, um, you know, apply all diligence to pursuing these character traits. And there's overlap between those character traits and the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of all effort. It's not the fruit of um, applying all effort or applying all diligence. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But we're also told to apply uh, effort and diligence to pursuing those things. So that shows that we need supernaturally empowered effort for obedience and character growth. We need the Holy Spirit for them, and we still need to pursue them with diligence. We need supernaturally empowered effort. The second area I want to look at in which we need supernaturally empowered effort is ministry. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 18, and 19. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that speech may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul was putting effort into evangelism, but he always wanted that effort to be backed by the power of prayer. Paul and the early church understood that you need to be putting effort into evangelism, but that effort needs to be backed by the power of prayer. And the last area that I want to look at, um, how every area in the Christian life requires supernaturally empowered effort, is knowing God. Let's look again at 2 Timothy 2, verse 7. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Or another way to look at it, think over the scriptures, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The Lord gives understanding as we think over the scriptures. He doesn't say, don't think over what I say, because God's going to give you understanding anyways. 
Think over what I say. Think over the scriptures. For God will give you understanding as you think over them. So knowing God requires supernaturally empowered effort. Every area of the Christian life requires supernatural empowerment and effort, but not separately. It requires supernaturally empowered effort. So in conclusion, don't neglect empowerment, the need for reliance on God, the need for God's power, and don't neglect the need for effort. We can't afford to neglect or to ignore either one. We can't afford to, in our thinking, feel like either one is not important or not a part of God's design for the Christian life. Whenever you find that growing as a Christian requires a lot of effort, don't be surprised. We should expect it to require effort, but we need to remember that it has to be supernaturally empowered effort. If an athlete tries to put in a lot of work without eating, they can try, but their efforts are going to fail. Their body's going to stop doing what they're telling it to do. Eventually, their body will give out and their efforts will fail because they're not empowered efforts. So whenever you find that growing as a Christian requires a lot of effort, don't be surprised and don't think that it's unbiblical. Don't let yourself feel like that's unbiblical. And if you ever start to find that the amount of effort required in the Christian life to be burdensome, if it ever starts to feel burdensome, then consider whether or not you're adequately relying on God for supernatural empowerment. You can't keep burning 3,000 calories a day and only eating 2,000 calories a day. That'll help you lose weight. But what happens after you lose weight? You're going to lose as much as you can, and then your body will fail. It's going to stop listening. It's going to stop working. You can try to put in the efforts, but the efforts will fail. And it's going to feel very burdensome. It's going to feel burdensome to constantly be burning 3,000 calories a day, but only eating 2,000. John said in his epistle... um, The love of God causes his commands to not be burdensome. But those are some pretty high commands. How come they're not burdensome? It's because of supernatural empowerment. If we're starting to find that the amount of effort that the Christian life requires is burdensome, then we need to examine our lives and see, am I relying on God enough? Am I burning more spiritual calories than I'm consuming? So let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you uh, that you empower us. Thank you that because of divine power, such great power that you have and give to us, the Christian life is not burdensome and your commands are not burdensome. Lord, we pray that we would be level-headed and constantly uh, look at life remembering the need for supernatural empowerment and the need for effort and to remember that those things are one and the same, that life doesn't 
require them separately. Life requires supernaturally empowered effort, Lord. Please help us to remember that. May that be part of our daily outlook. We pray that we would always remember our need for your power and we would see it in every area of life and you would open our eyes that we would see how we can pursue your power. We pray that we would pursue your power in every area, Lord. And we pray that you would give us the power to do the things you've called us to do. We thank you for your grace and amen.